you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast. Refuse to wear khakis. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. We do refuse to wear khakis. Maybe another uh, you know, bullet point on the list of why we'll never appear on NFL Network ever again. <laughs> uh, uh, starting right off of that. Although, do people wear khakis on NFL Network or anywhere at this point? Khakis are kind of in a, a, in a down cycle. That's I what I'm like, saying. In general. I think Jim Harbaugh did some damage to that, that overall experience, that brand. <laughs> well, if he didn't shop for his pants at Walgreens or Walmart, we, would, we wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> um, you guys all look great today. Wes is wearing a yellow and blue shirt. And Greg, I'm assuming because you're colorblind, thought it was a Halloween theme shirt. Well, I didn't but say that. The Halloween theme colors are, of course, aren't. I black. meant more fall, right. and it, it's got a plaid sort of. You know, I'm I'm out on the farm with the hay and whatnot feel to it. With goblins and uh, ghouls, ghosts, <laughs> the turning of the leaves. Lots of things happen in the fall. Not Greg, in do Los you, Angeles. Ha, do you even understand how seasons work? I grew up in New England, baby. You know, there's lots of seasons there. Four of them. On the vineyard. The no. seasons are beautiful. Not, Gorgeous. No. Foliage. Not up there. What season is strawberry season? Spring. Right? Spring and summer. Yeah. Uh, this is the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored, uh, as Mark not, didn't directly allude to, but you could read between the lines, sponsored by no one, uh, but supported by you, the audience. And I we again want to thank everyone uh, for a second week in a row, the most downloads we've ever had for a show for our week two recap podcast. So you guys are awesome. And thank you uh, for spreading the word and being so active both on social media and on our subreddit, uh, which o- almost has uh, 3000 uh, people signed up to it. Now, um, Greg, at some point it's time for you to embrace the subreddit, I think, and not, and not poo poo it. I would think it's I'm at right, some I haven't, point. I haven't poo pooed any. <laughs> what number does that have to hit a million? Is that when you'll show it some respect? I don't need to. I haven't showed it any lack of respect. Okay. 
All right, maybe just read into it wrong. But a lot to get a lot to get to today. Uh, we will have uh, our recap of the Monday night football uh, game b- between the Philadelphia Eagles and Chicago Bears, a, a game that uh, left uh, Mark Sessler scratching his head, or perhaps um, to say the least, curled up in a ball in his home. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, we're also going to hit on what's what's in the news, some injuries to talk about, some other things going on across the NFL. Uh, Chris Re- Wessling wrote a banger, and you could read it on Wednesday, uh, the top ten slot receivers in the National Football League, uh, and we will break down Wes's list. And then, yes, the Thursday night football preview, uh, Throne of Sleaze edition, the New England Patriots, uh, with possibly third-string quarterback uh, Jacob Brisket, uh, hosting the Houston Texans, so who hopefully will be wearing their Letterman jackets again. I hope they do. Yeah, disrespectful. I mean, this is a guy that uh, managed to get drafted in the third round of the NFL selection process. Jake Brisket, future NFL Hall of Famer. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote a end around post before we came upstairs about. Someone had the uh, guts to ask J.J. Watt where his Letterman jacket is. And this, of course, famously a callback to 2012 December when um, a group of Texan players decided it was a good idea to all get matching Letterman jackets and wear them on the team plane to New England for a Sunday night football game against the Pats. One of the corniest moments in NFL history. Uh, the <laughs> Texans then subsequently blown out of the water 42-14, and he never saw the jackets ever again. J.J. Watt said he has no idea where he ha- where the jacket is, uh, and he doesn't believe it's even in his possession anymore. I would like to think that it's in a fireplace somewhere in, you know, basically just charred wood and jacket material at this point. Too corny for J.J. Watt? Well, I think it's not a surprise that J.J. Watt was prominently involved in the entire proceedings, but in doing some research about the history of that, the other funny thing about it was it was not just a one-week stunt. They had, in their mind, built up these jackets to be become a part of the literal fabric. Well, not the literal fab- fabric, but the metaphorical and actual fabric. So I guess literal fab- fabric of the Texans franchise, where every as the longer you stayed with the Texans, the more patches you would accumulate, whether you were a captain what? or for winning division titles. Well, they also had, now that you mentioned it, they had this theme where every year they had a homecoming game. Guys. You remember that? Hey, Texans of 2012, come back. To and me. it was considered an insult if it was like, uh-oh, they're playing, uh, they're playing the Jaguars in homecoming week this year. That's oh, an God. insult to the Jaguars. They think it's A few too many drapings, not enough wins. Texas, where everyone's a sophomore. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> all right, let's <laughs> – what does that mean? Just like the homecoming and the letter jackets, give me oh. a break. My wife's not going to be happy with you. Chris, Chris suddenly got very nervous about the response from Texas. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird. Of all I the things a, that Chris would get nervous yeah, about right? said on I this have, podcast. Well, the, immediate, have, the immediate apology. I have no issues with Texas except their education system. Wes takes the uh, – <laughs> that's, that's a large issue. Wes takes the term don't mess with Texas, hyper literally, obviously. Uh, let's uh, break down some Monday Night Football action. All right. At Soldier Field, the Chicago Bears looking to get their first win of the season, but it wasn't going to happen because Carson Wentz continues to look like exactly the guy the Eagles wanted when they traded a buttload of picks to the Browns. 
Uh, he played extremely well, Carson Wentz did, finishing 21 of 34, 190 yards and a touchdown. And frankly, with some better help from his wide receivers who couldn't hold on to the ball, could have had a monster game that would have had the whole country talking. Uh, but as it is, the Eagles are now 2-0 and after an easy 29-14 win, the type of score that doesn't exactly even do justice to how much better they were on this night. Chris Wessling, get us going. Well, I think it is fair to point out that he has played the Browns secondary and the Bears secondary, both undermanned, both among the worst in the NFL. Start with that. But when you when he comes out on the first drive in a no huddle with the Peyton Manning-like machinations mm. at the line of scrimmage, pointing out adjustments to his wide receivers and his offensive linemen, changing calls at the line before the snap, and if you are a Browns fan or if you are a Rams fan watching Jared Goff struggle with pre-snap and post-snap reads, I think that has to get your attention right off the bat that this guy is so much further along. All right, Mark, you are it, a Browns it fan. It got your attention. I think it's safe to say based on your text messages. It was one of those nights. We get probably they happen about once a week or so where Mark has like a fever dream type night of texts. And the, sometimes the public will see because there will be some tweets mixed in, but the texts are really where it's at. We should release a book on it. But so, Mark, we knew you were fired up watching Carson Wentz, but maybe not in a good way. Well, it was the it was the Browns fan in me that when these games are happening in, in real time, I just swoop into total emotion and uh, mixed with darkness because the the logical part of me, the side of me wants to and I do believe that the Browns have a plan of their own and that they're being judged very quickly and rightly so by the quarterback they passed on that over two games, including a win over Cleveland, has looked just like the kind of player the Browns have not had under quarter at quarterback for roughly 17 years since they came back in the league. So yeah, it got my juices flowing, got me very upset, and I apologize to you guys because I, I looked at some of those texts in the middle of the night and I thought... Good heavens. Are no these, need to apologize. Will these I people enjoyed. still be my friend? But I, I One was like 500 words. Well, there, I, I see people defending Cleveland and, and taking them to town, Browns fans, and I think that it's, it's fine to be on either side of that fence. This is the kind of player that's been missing in Cleveland forever. Well, the annoying thing is it's going to feel, if this keeps happening, like the Browns fans lo- the Browns lose twice every week if Carson Wentz plays great, especially when it's on national TV. That's it's not exactly gonna right. Week, but it's going to feel like – Another loss, and I get that because, yes, the matchup was as easy as possible, and the Bears lost, what, five starters in this game? Amos, Lamar Houston has a torn ACL, Bryce Callahan, Pernell McPhee's not around, Eddie Goldman got hurt. I mean, they were a bad team that got worse and they got unlucky, but that has nothing to do with some of the intangibles that we saw. One of the things that impressed me is he was coaching up his wide receivers on what to do in between plays, which that seems obvious enough, but the play clock's running there, and you don't normally see a rookie quarterback have the presence of mind to do that, not to mention the physical traits of throwing against across his body, throwing a fastball, and throwing the changeup with some nice nice touch passes. doesn't matter who the opponents are. Those are impressive. They talked from the beginning of the draft process when we started to get glued into that, that there there was a vast difference between Carson Wentz and Jared Goff in a couple areas. One, that Goff was more of a laid back Southern Cal type dude, and that appealed to Jeff Fisher. Good for you. But Carson Wentz was an A-type personality, someone that is was obsessed with the game and studies nonstop, takes command of the game. And, you know, watching him even before, an hour before, he was just out in the field throwing around to his, to his teammates, 
He is loving it out there. Taking too many hits, though. That's the one. Taking too many hits, but I could not be more impressed with his preparation and his passion at this point. It is. It. it, You're right, though. It's a. It's a. It's a crazy ride for the teams that passed him up. You're watching him yell "kill, kill" at the line of scrimmage. He's audibly into runs that go for first downs. That one got brought back on a holding penalty. But you also see him. John Gruden points out that he's hitting the hot read when they blitz. These are things that guys like Jay Cutler don't do all that well after 12 years in the league. And speaking of Jay Cutler, on the Bears side, it really couldn't get any darker than it is right now in Chicago, a team that just seems completely rudderless. And there was a, a, a kind of a narrative in the offseason, John Fox teams in year two get better, but this team is not better. They're 0-2 now. Jay Cutler gave you a quintessential Jay Cutler effort before leaving with a with a sprained thumb that could be an injury that keeps him on the shelf for a while. Brian Hoyer, who, by the way, Wherever Brian Hoyer goes, opportunity finds him, usually <laughs> almost immediately. So he yeah. could be their starter for the foreseeable future. And they also had other injuries. Danny Trevathan is, uh, now has thumb surgery coming up, and he's going to miss time. Lamar Houston tore his ACL for the second time. That's a killer loss, and he's done for the year. So a, a total, Greg, uh, nothing ball for the Bears on Monday night. Well, that's why I made this my lock of the week. Well played. Not it wasn't again. It wasn't about the Eagles. It's about how bad this Bears team is. That they're one of the two or three worst teams in the league, in my opinion. They've been unlucky with the injuries. They have nothing exciting to watch. Kevin White at this point is taking too long to come along, so he's not exciting. Jeremy Langford. It's a boring running game. There's just there's just nothing there. And they went against a defense that I think is gonna. They're not gonna stuff everyone, but they're going to stop bad teams like the Browns and the Bears. Brandon Graham is playing with his hair on fire this year. That contract's one of the most undervalued players in the entire NFL right now, Brandon Graham. Was anybody surprised that one of Jay Cutler's teammates shoved him <laughs> that was, during a game? That was McPhee, too, who's, who's hurt right now. That was crazy. Although, if you kind of think about it, it's like, he had just made an interception with a broke with sprained lim- right. ligaments. I thought about that too. The, if you read lips, you could. Uh, McPhee said, "Wake the <laughs> up," among other things. So, and that's that's the one of the things with Jay Cutler that, and we've been talking about Cutler for years on this podcast, and I feel like I've been a defender of him more than critical. But this is the type of game where where the team's kind of stuck in the mud. Where when your quarterback takes on the 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 visual look of a team that's just in a lethargic, a lethargic place, you just want to think to yourself, man, they've been going to this guy for seven years. At what point are you going to hit the reset button? Here? Totally, After totally agree. The Bears, <laughs> yes, the Bears lack any semblance of identity, and they are a boring. And so, thank you, NFL schedule makers, oh for putting God. them on Monday night and allowing the nation to suffer through that. And then we get them on Sunday night football, too. Are you kidding me? I don't get that. I mean, it's what – all right, you throw a legendary franchise like the Bears a bone, their fan base, give them a Monday night game or maybe a Thursday night game. But six days later, you're banging us with another Bears game? Marone. It's crazy. This defense right now, the two best players on it are, well, Willie Young and Tracy Porter. That's an NFL defense. Oh, my God. Right? I don't know who is right now. The over 30 crowd. What What's the future for this team? What do fans have to look forward to when – Jay Cutler has no more guaranteed guaranteed money left on his contract. And when's the last time he was a relevant quarterback in the NFL? Here it's is been the, years. And Alshon Jeffrey is a franchise player. He's right. a free agent after this season. The, He's their best player right well, now. Well, he may not be the only one in Chicago that won't be in Chicago next year. You've got to look at the organization from the top on down and wonder what the direction is here. And if I'm the, if I'm the Bears, you cannot – Ask your fan base to go down the Jay Cutler experience for another season or two. It's just ridiculous. Bear fans don't want to hear this, but the best thing that could happen is that Brian Hoyer takes over here. They go three and thirteen. 
and maybe you you get a new quarterback of the future and you start planning for next year because it, I mean, well, they're already the youngest team in the league, and they have a new coach and a newish GM. New blood, so they're man. basically have already hit the reset button. But Cutler's are their young oh, players man. good? That no, well, no one knows. This Eagles team, by the way, this NFC East is going to be interesting. I was going to all in on the NFC. I, you know, it's it's a little better. You, you welcome back. I'm in. Oh, Mark, you had one last thing. Well, because talk what, about one of the things that stirred me up, and Greg made a great point that. Every time the Browns play, I'm getting peppered with tweets. How's Mark doing? What's <laughs> going on with Mark? And now it's now it's double pronged. Now it's like it's Carson Wentz related. And I want to just read you a couple things that I received last night. Doesn't sound fun. Uh, what did you think of Carson Wentz? Do you think Carson Wentz will be a good player? <laughs> did the Browns make a mistake passing on Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz looks awesome. Are you upset Cleveland passed on Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz is really throwing the ball well tonight. Do you think Cody Kessler will be as good as Carson Wentz? <laughs> have the Browns solved their quarterback problem now that they have Charlie Whitehurst? Or should they have picked Eagles rookie quarterback Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz looks like the next Big Ben. Was Carson Wentz sent here from outer space to save the Eagles? Carson Wentz has a strong arm. Carson Wentz seems like he'd be awesome in the rain or snow. Guess the Browns didn't need that. Carson Wentz is sort of sexy. The Browns were scared to draft another ginger, but they should have drafted Carson Wentz. That last one's made up. As a Cleveland fan, are you jealous watching Carson Wentz play for the Eagles? Would you rather have Carson Wentz at quarterback or Colt McCoy? Carson Wentz is showing real poise. I like his haircut. Carson Wentz will lead the Eagles to seven Super Bowls. Will Cody Kessler be in the league three years from now? Carson Wentz is American royalty. Cleveland got a guitar-playing journeyman. The Eagles got a future Hall of Famer in Carson Wentz. Does Carson Wentz have a short enough delivery for you now, Mark? Is Carson Wentz the best quarterback in the NFC East already? Mark, will Carson Wentz be good? Is Carson Wentz a better athlete than Spurgeon Wynn? Why did the Browns pass on Carson Wentz, Mark? Mark, are there knives in your household? Maybe don't go to your household. Whoa. I didn't All of those? I thought those were tweets, not your internal monologue watching the game. I don't know anything anymore. Um, I know that is not, it's not an easy situation, Mark. It's not an easy situation. Hang in there, buddy. Let's do some news. Dad's right. You better run. These are friends. She's crazy. You come back here, she'll kill you. <laughs> Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Great show. Mark. We're going to stick in the realm of the Cleveland Browns now. And uh, we'll start uh, by talking about uh, the new quarterback in town. Uh, because, well, let's start here. Josh McCown is out, as we expected. He suffered a left shoulder injury uh, one week after RG3 su- suffered a left shoulder injury. McCown's going to miss a period of weeks, it sounds like. Uh, he had this to say. I mean, a very uh, a gutty dude, no doubt. He had this to say when asked when he stayed in the game in week two um, against the, the, Baltimore Ravens. the Baltimore Ravens, despite taking a pounding. Uh, I think it's just not wanting to not be out there with your guys, you know. I got a, um, I got a dad and an older brother who I know get up and go to work, and sometimes they don't feel great, and they go and they, they go and they grind, you know. And then I got two little boys that they're playing football now, you know, and they get hit and they get banged up, and trying to teach them what toughness means, you know. And so for me, it's it's those things that, uh, and just knowing the window for me right now. Cool, dude. And now Cody Kessler will step in the uh, third-round pick, a project, uh, a guy that a lot of people are nervous about uh, not being ready at this stage. He steps in the third quarter. In fact, Mark Sessler, this is the 
uh, fifth consecutive week of regular season games dating back to December of last season that the Browns will have a new starting quarterback, which is one of the most amazing stats of the year. It's everything we just talked about. We don't need to go through all that again, but I think everyone in this room felt like when the shift from RG3 to McCown happened, it was potentially a blessing in disguise for this offense. And, and McCown looked pretty good for parts of that game against the Ravens. And he, he has looked good for the last three or four years. Right. He was never the problem in Cleveland last year. So I feel for this coaching staff because the plan was never to put Cody Kessler into the mix anywhere close to this date. And if you look at Cody Kessler on the sideline when there was a period during the Ravens game when it seemed like he might be shoved in there, the look on his face was a pure terror. And I, I just don't think this player is necessarily ready. We'll find out. Well, here's the good news. You're going to have another option in case Kessler wets himself and needs to come out of the game because the Browns made a big signing on Monday. Yes, he's back. He rises uh, like a phoenix from the netherworld of the free agent pile to a new franchise, the Cleveland Browns, uh, who have now signed Charlie Whitehurst, a good friend of the show. He doesn't know us, and we don't know him, but we, we view Charlie uh, Clipboard Jesus is a friend of the show. He will now, I guess, become their number two quarterback, and at least it gives them a veteran presence, uh, albeit one that has no knowledge of the playbook or anything about the, no knowledge about the team. Yeah, those are the concerning uh, items. I, a much larger chance of getting into Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame than the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. <laughs> Over, under, on quarters before we see Charlie Whitehurst. Mm. I say two and a half. I will go one and a half. I don't think quarters. Yes, quarters. I don't think Charlie Whitehurst is playing this Sunday. Uh, in I don't think wait till you get a hold soon. of Cody Kessler. Yeah, but maybe Whitehurst. That would be throwing so the fire if, pretty quickly. If Jewel is planning on going to watch her boyfriend, Charlie Whitehurst. Is that still happening? By I, the way, I, I do I like that aspect. It. it seems like it's still happening. Uh, I like that aspect because Jewel. If you're getting Jewel back into Cleveland and back into, I like Brown. Like the Browns making Jewel part of their whole game day operation. Right. Miami's got uh, Serena Williams, nice. Gloria Estefan. Cleveland's got Jewel now. And what a big couple months for Jewel. She's on the uh, the roast of Rob Lowe on Comedy Central, and then her boyfriend gets back in the NFL. Jewel is back. You are tracking this to a concerning level, but, I mean, come on, let's roll her out for the national anthem as soon as Sunday. I want to hear some Jewel yodeling. Uh, as Colin Kaepernick drops to a knee and then says, wait a second, this is too powerful, stands up, salutes the flag. You're not going to hear it on this podcast. We don't play music anymore. Um, Will they fire Adam Gase if they lose to Cody Kessler? That might have been, <laughs> the, home opener that. That might have been the only fun game to watch of the Browns' entire season. Josh McCown, pour one out for him. An absolute throwback to the 70s and 80s yes. when players were allowed to play injured and basically tell the medical staff, I'm staying in the game. Now everybody's a mini corporation. I loved watching Josh McCown play football. I will say a lot of guys still play hurt and gut it through. It's it's such a brutal sport. I don't think nearly to maybe to that now maybe not to that level. Not many guys would have played with what Josh McCown played. I couldn't everyone agree should, more. Everyone should check out NFL.com slash Sessler. Look for the Josh McCown article. Very good stuff on the uh, press conference McCown. Had. Thank you, former boss. Sessler banger. Moving on, uh, more quarterback talk. This in Washington where Kirk Cousins played like a uh, dog poop uh, on Sunday. And then what happens? What happens, guys? We start to hear the whispers, reports that Redskins players are unhappy or, or disappointed in Kirk Cousins' play. 
And then Kirk comes out in a Monday appearance on WJFK FM in Washington and said it's understandable that teammates would have an issue with his slow start, basically confirming that this was something that was going on. Here's what Cousins had to say. I think people respond with emotion, like you said. 0-2 is 0-2. It's tough. No one wants to be there. I think we all feel like we're too good to be 0-2. We have too many players, too much talent, and a lot of ways we aren't playing at the level we're capable of. Greg, Kirk Cousins, will he be benched by week eight? No. I don't think they're looking to bench Kirk Cousins. And will he get out of this funk, or is this the, uh, a sign of – Hey, look, it's been, a, it's been a, a good couple weeks um, for – Someone like myself who never thought Kirk Cousins was a top 20 NFL quarterback anyways. I mean, he's a guy that's going to go up and down based on the level of his competition. He's had a couple particularly poor games in terms of decision-making. He's third in the league in passing yards. To me, it's just weird that he's a low-ceiling guy that makes a lot of mental errors. So when that that's a bad combination. Like He doesn't have the talent to make up for his mental errors. I think they're going to stick with him throughout this season, though. You nailed the Cousins' trajectory so far, and Greg got his lock of the re- uh, week correct. So the guy is flying. Before, Greg Rosenthal, flying high. Before his hot streak down the stretch last year, he had the highest era-adjusted interception rate in NFL history. This is the guy we're seeing again. And I think this situation isn't as dire as it is in Chicago. Right. But it's another situation where the future of the offense is on the line this year. Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon also in contract years. And I think that probably contributes to their frustration when Kirk Cousins misses them wide open. That's, that's a great – that's absolutely right. That, uh, it is a great point. And I, I do think it's dire now that you say it because you raised expectations in year one. You maybe don't know what you're going to have – at quarterback after year two. And really, what's the progress that they've they've made? They've got a full season to show us, but they're not a tough team. They're not a good defense. I mean, this is distracted from what's been a terrible defense, one of the worst defense in the league so far. Does GM Scott McLuhan somehow spin this or come out of this looking good for not committing to Kirk Cousins? Yeah. He's got to find a quarterback, though, to replace him. Let's move on, gentlemen. We're... The bad blows keep coming for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, One week after Keenan Allen was lost to a torn ACL, Danny Woodhead was diagnosed with a torn ACL. Uh, Woodhead, one of the most versatile players in their offense. And the Chargers, uh, Mark, a team that uh, has looked very good uh, overall. Uh, They, of course, collapsed in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs in week one, but then looked excellent in week two, uh, a big win. Uh, what are your thoughts about this offense now missing two of their players? Woodhead was used so well in New England, but I would almost argue that he's been used in an even better way in San Diego. He was a big part of that offense. And, you know, they've gone out and they've gotten Dexter McCluster to replace him, another guy that they're, that Ken Wisenhunt, their OC, knows well. But Dexter McCluster is not Danny Woodhead on any level. What Danny Woodhead, I think, is one of the most misunderstood players in the NFL. He's... In the top five short yardage weapons since he got into the NFL. He he almost always converts short yardage situations. He's great in the red zone, and he's perfect for an offense where Phil Rivers wants to sit in the shotgun, take less than two seconds to pass the ball, and push the ball 10 to 12 yards down the field. Right. For all the deserved love Melvin Gordon's received the last couple of weeks, Danny Wood has, was getting more snaps than Melvin Gordon. So it was a 1-1A one one situation. They lost Brandon Oliver for the season already, so they have very little depth. It's Andre Williams and McCluster behind Gordon. If Gordon went down at some point, because they're going to need him to really probably touch the ball three, 
150, 400 times. It's great news for his fantasy value. If he went down, then it, it seems like the, the you, point You go no sign return. Kevin Mack at that point or something. <laughs> Uh, and other injury news uh, at the running back position, Adrian Peterson, who sustained a knee injury in the Sunday night win over the Packers. It was uh, announced on Monday that Peterson has had uh, sustained a torn meniscus. Uh, and it's a type of injury where it's not quite clear uh, how long it's going to keep him out, but we probably won't see him this week. And it could be multiple weeks. We don't know yet. But now a team that lost – Teddy Bridgewater and appeared to uh, recover from that might have to go uh, forward without AP, their most important player of the last decade. I think it was good news though. They, the way he was carried off the field that you thought maybe that's a season ender or a torn ACL. And we had, we had a medical expert on our air saying, you never know. He might have a chance to play this week or, or next week and they can get by with, with Asiata and McKinnon, those guys have Asiata. been those guys have been in the system for a few years. I think Asiata is not a great player, but he's I think he's better than he was in 2014. That they'll be fine. They also weren't getting any production from Adrian Peterson for what it's worth. Short term good news, long term maybe not so much good news. If you remember, meniscus is what, what what's going to end up keeping Torrey Holt out of the Hall of Fame. Hmm. It really shortened his career, and meniscus injuries are no joke when you're losing that. That fiber between the muscles. It leads to the bone-on-bone bone thing that ended Curtis Martin's career and uh, many other players. How wow. much How much longer of a career do we think Adrian Peterson had? It's That's a really good question. I think it'll be multiple years, but this makes me think it might not be in Minnesota after this year. His contract is going to be need to torn up after this season. He is due something like $17 million next year, and, and they're going to have to come up with a new contract to keep him there. So oh, to no. be clear, I'm not saying that every torn meniscus results in a bone-on-bone -bone condition, but right. that could be the start of something. Maybe it's maybe medical technology is advanced, and maybe his condition isn't that bad. Question for the three of you. By the way, the Dolphins are going to overpay for oh, no. Adrian Peterson <laughs> in about Replace six Arian months. Foster. That's your yeah. lock of the week. Oh, man. For the three of you, how are you doing on you know determining what's going to be the team of your team of the year, your team of ATL? I know who mine is. Have well, a good time with yours. You've ditched your Bengals. That was never getting by. I already told you. We discussed you've, this on Sunday. It's the, the Vikings, and, I, and there's no more discussion. I will, I will only say this. The Bengals had a better chance of getting by than the Vikings. <laughs> but the Vikings have gotten by into the team well, of yes. STL. I'm, I'm thinking of just now we might have to just end the entire game because Mark went rogue and destroyed the unity. You know, I'm against any breakdown in unity of the podcast, whether it's the Jezelnik pod or Greg and the hero picks. I don't and think now you're you I don't going think you're, rogue. I, you know, this always upsets me. I don't think you're exactly heartbroken, uh, judging by the smile on your face right now. RJVP. <laughs> I'm open to the Vikings. So that there's your answer. You asked the question. I'm open to them. They would, I would have been. They wouldn't that, be my top team, but they'd be in the top four. I appreciate that. I'm also, and I invite you to join me on that journey, but I am not, I don't need it. <laughs> I, I don't know where you want us to go with this. Where do you want us to go with this? I want you guys to come up with your little organic solution to this, and we'll talk when you do. I mean, you bailed on the Vikings when their little quarterback got hurt. And I then didn't Sam on Bradford has one good game when the lights are on, and all of a sudden they're your boyfriends. I didn't listen. I have a favorite team, <laughs> and they're breaking my heart. So I'm going to try to enjoy something about this season. All right. Well, we don't know. We might. Are you? So you're out. You're not involved with the process anymore. Not even in the slightest. <laughs> it's about me. <laughs> I don't know. I might be out too. Then 
I might just withdraw. And it, this has always been about Greg and Wes anyway. You can try what? you can try to spin it into some sort of team breakdown scenario, you know, a, a fissure between the podcast. That's it. I'm group. out. I'm I out. I couldn't be concerned less. This I'm is, out. This is funny because when the opposite two people even broached the subject of of maybe not having a team of ATL literally one week ago, the two of you called us traitors essentially and, and were you were insulted by this. I now was. you're leading the charge. Well no, now that Mark has ruined the sanctity of the game, I, I think why, he's why just do I having fun? Involved. He can like his Vikings regardless. Hey, hey, news flash. I'm gonna like the Bucks. I'm gonna like the Chargers no matter who we pick. I like them this year. I mean I can like other teams and have a team of ATL. He could have his own team and there is a team of four ATL. different cars driving home. Yeah, exactly. The sanctity's got there's nothing there's nothing pure left. You would rather have us drop you off at home? That seems a little, a little much. Yeah, the analogy falls a little bit flat. <laughs> uh, Cardinals are still out there if you want to just <laughs> run it back from last year. Um, this has always been about the scientists anyway. I think you guys, you guys got to work out your stuff, and uh, this might be a good exercise. So it's best Mark can have his team, and then I'll just sit it out and just watch it, and then you guys can work it out amongst yourselves. This is a, tr- a troubling – a troubling sign of egos run amok. <laughs> uh, another injury news: Demarcus Ware. It's a great album title. Egos run amok. <laughs> uh, suffered an ulna fracture near his elbow uh, in week two, and uh, he had to undergo surgery to uh, correct the injury. He's expected to miss four to five weeks. Uh, so Demarcus Ware will miss time for the Broncos. Uh, but Chris Wessling, uh, and you wrote about this on the Around the NFL page. Uh, perhaps this isn't the worst thing. DeMarcus Ware, a veteran player, he gets back uh, at the end of October, and away we go. Well, isn't this a re- the recipe? We saw it last year. He misses time. He comes back like a house on fire in the playoffs, save his legs. Now you've got more snaps for Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett, who are among the best substitute pass rushers in the NFL. I think, it's a, I think the Broncos are just fine. Another argument, and we've been on this train, Wes, unlike some people in the room, that John Elway is not just a fascinating GM, but maybe one of the best of all time. What, that his players get hurt? <laughs> and then they – Well, who, that they, that they, they add, that they add strength on strength. Where? Strength on strength. Shane, Very it, good it is, it is crazy. They're the equivalent of the Patriots' offense, I guess, that it, it doesn't matter. You can take out the stars. Shane – Oh, you can't oh. take out Von Miller. Well, you couldn't take out him. You got one of the best defensive players ever in Von Miller. But you, you suddenly insert a first-round pick who is playing like a guy who should be starting on 31 other teams, Shane Ray. There's a lot to be said for depth in the NFL, as the Buffalo Bills found out last Thursday. Mm-hmm. John Elway, by the way, one of the only uh, five quarterbacks in NFL history to win his first two games in the, the first two weeks of the rookie season. Carson Wentz, also one of those five. Did you say John Elway or Trevor Simeon? John Elway. Oh, okay. Trevor Simeon, second year. Two of those other quarterbacks, though, Ryan Leaf and Mark Sanchez. Ooh, ignominious. And finally in the news, Sterling Shepard had a breakout game for the Giants in week two. And Odell Beckham, his teammate, says, whoa, this kid's awesome. I think he's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Wes? Said lights out every game. Comes up with big catch, makes big plays, rookie of the year. I don't think that's so outlandish of a prediction, rookie. Who's the who are the favorites early in the season right now? Will Fuller has to be there. Ezekiel Elliott. Wentz. I don't think Carson Elliott Wentz. is Elliott is not a favorite right now. Carson Wentz. Oh, of course Carson he is. Wentz is the favorite 
Because After a workhorse two- back behind an offensive line like the Cowboys. I, I'm I, saying I'm saying what he's done through two weeks. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry and was benched in week two that's for great, two fumbles. That's some great rookies right now. Corey Coleman looks awesome. Uh, yes. That could change quickly. Right now, though. Wentz would be the heavy favorite. Cause Eddie's, I would Eddie, take Ezekiel Elliott against the field after two two weeks. I would go Wentz. I think a quarterback always has a better I'll shot. take you on that if you wanted to do sandwiches. Sure. All right, sandwich wager. Uh, Will Fortier, um, please n- make note of that. And speaking of Sterling Shepard, gentlemen, that's what's happening in the news, by the way. Uh, Chris Wessling wrote a banger. Top ten slot receivers in the league, I read every word, and I really enjoyed the piece. <laughs> it's literally not even available <laughs> on the website, so that can't be true. Okay. But one thing, but I will read. Yeah, it, it will be. Yeah. If Will Fortier could tell his brother Nick to take care of the sandwiches, <laughs> we'd be in a good place. Thank you. I like Will Fortier. It was a combination of Will, Will, Matt. I don't even know. <laughs> Who is this? Michael Lombardi and Bill Simmons? <laughs> will, will Forte. Will is who Forte. I'm of. You're combining Will. Nick, is it Fortier or is it Nick Fortier? I think it's, it's Fortier. Fortier. Or Fortier. All these different things. Everything is uh everything's up in the air right now. But anyway, Wes is going to write a banger. Unless he it's an off day for Wes and he writes a kind of a middling column. But I believe Wes is a consistent performer, so I think it will be a banger. I have a middling column in me. Uh, Mark, do you think this will be a banger or, yeah, a, or a middle? It happens all the time. It all depends because, you know, Wes is getting close to the end of his work day. A lot of variables come into play when Wes hits the streets. That's true. <laughs> so here we go. The slot re- receiver top 10 will go from 10 to 1 here. We'll start with the front half uh, coming in at 10. Willie Sneed followed by Eagles wide receiver Jordan Matthews, Randall Cobb, of the Packers, who something tells me uh, a year or two ago he would have been much higher on this list. Sterling Shepard, who we just talked about. Wow. At number seven, T.Y. Hilton. Let's talk Shepard. Number Shepherd. six. Seven, over Cobb already and Jordan Matthews. Cobb's tough to rank because 2014, he was the best slot in the game. Last year, he was a complete and utter liability for the Packers while playing through an injury. And this year, I haven't liked what I've seen through two games. He's not a playmaker right now. So how do you rank him? He's not 2014 Cobb, and he's not 2015 Cobb. Who is he? Why do you like Shepard that much? I mean, that, that's putting him there right now, that go, he's already a quality veteran. I, I actually – I'm with you on this, but I want to hear why you say Go it. watch Game Pass and see if you can find an incomplete pass. I mean, he's money. Eli's going to throw to him, and he's going to be there. He's, he's the best route runner of all the rookies. He has fancy routes. He's fancy routes. He's good after the catch. He's got good body control at, this, at the catch point. I don't think he really has a weakness, and he's playing more snaps in the slot than any receiver in the NFL right now, which is – Surprising given that Victor Cruz right. was previously the best slot receiver in the NFL before he tore Well, it's interesting. Victor Cruz has now come back as an outside receiver. They're saying, look, you've been replaced by Sterling Shepard. That's his job. Can you make it as an outside receiver? So far, Cruz has done a nice job. But the more important player this season and obviously moving forward is Shepard. Hands down, the best receiving core in the league. Wow. What? Odell Beckham. Cruz playing the way he is, and we're talking about another rookie of the year potential, Sterling Shepard. If he's on this list, you've got. I'm what? taking the Cardinals over them. John Brown hasn't been John Brown yet, so that's that's a factor. I'd take the Jets over them. Not wow, even the look at you loving Quincy. Really? I mean, I'm not. You would, you would take the Jets over a team with Odell Beckham. At I'm not putting Cruz yet on I the level of the level of a top 
30, 40 NFL receiver. I think you look at some of the plays that they've made to Cruz. I want to see it against better defenses. I want to see it a a little. I want to see the explosiveness. Some of the Jets are up there, no question, but I. I, I'm just saying there might be a big drop off after two still. I'm not ready to put Cruz back in there. But uh, back to the slot receiver. And you have T.Y. Hilton at six, and I think he's had seasons in his career uh, where you can make the argument he should be higher on this list. Why isn't he, Wes? Actually, by the time this article goes live, I might remove him. He never, what? He was not a slot receiver before this year. He's moved, and he's playing about 60% in the slot. Mm. But if Don, Dante Moncrief is out Looks for like a while. Looks like it's going to be a while. They're going to move T.Y. Hilton back outside would be my guess. And he hasn't played slot enough in his career to keep him on this list. So you'd have the unusual top nine list. No, I want to put Cole Beasley on there to highlight how well he's playing. Mm, I like Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's good. I like seeing Willie Sneed in there. There was some backroom negotiating. Uh, I like It's like the New Hampshire caucuses. I was I was caucusing for Willie Sneed to get on the list, so it's nice. Nice caucus. Um, phrasing. <laughs> caucus? <laughs> It's an American political institution. You hate America? Millennials. McGinnis? Feel free to no, catch no, I get it. I get it. Greg's show on C-SPAN will be airing this right. evening at 11.30 uh, let's p.m. Live in, let's time. live in a dictatorship. You don't want free voting. Um, Thanks, let's move into the top five of the Westland Banger, and we will uh, start right there with Eric Decker of the Jets. And here's the great Decker stat. Uh, his throwout his first year of the Jets where he had a, a bad leg and a bad quarterback throwing to him. Uh, since week one of the 2015 season, he's played in 17 games. He has 14 touchdowns in those 17 games. He's never had more than two touchdowns in a game, so, but he's had one in 14 of the 17 games. Almost always you could pencil him in for 60 to 100 yards. He has become the most uh, consistent wide receiver uh, that I can remember the Jets ever having. And that's why he deserves that top five spot to me, Wes. I believe if you look even deeper over the last four years, Des Bryant and Brandon Marshall are the only receivers in the NFL with more touchdowns than Eric Decker. A multi-talented receiver Decker, according to family sources. (laughs) You're referring to the uh, Snapchat from his wife. That's correct. She was hinting that he was gifted in a lot of ways. She wasn't hinting. She called him Big (laughs) Decker. (laughs) We're trying to, like, Oh, I circle it. the point. Okay, but she did. That's exactly what she said. It, it, it's some one of those things that gets you kind of mad because the dude's like a ten out of ten looks wise, and he's a, a a very successful professional athlete playing in New York, and then on top of it, his nickname with his wife. It's big yeah, not a lot of pitfalls for him. What a life. Anyway, number five. So Eric Decker, a consistent force for the New York Jets, and then you have uh, Jarvis Landry. At four, entered the season, Chris Wessling, as I know you know, uh, with the most catches in the history of the league in his first two seasons uh, as a pro football player. That's a but bogus stat. Tell me why <laughs> he is number four then. It's true. No, it's a st- well, you could, two through four, <laughs> Doug Baldwin. Half Julius, the catches were actually made up. That Wes is right. I, I'll explain to you why it's a bogus stat. But Jul- Julius Edelman, Doug Baldwin, Jarvis Landry, two through four, I think are fairly interchangeable. Hmm. It's a bogus stat because he, more than any wide receiver in the NFL, has his touches manufactured by the play caller. Yeah. He makes more errors than the rest of this top five, I would say. He's fantastic. He, he's, a gr- he's an unbelievable talent. I'm actually a little surprised you put Decker below, below him because I know you like Eric Decker a lot. Landry is physically tough. He has great hands. He's good after the catch. He's elusive. He's better in the red zone than people think, but I think he shows – 
Matt Harmon and I were talking about this yesterday. He shows the folly of building an offense around a slot receiver. The Dolphins are one of the most inconsistent and unproductive offenses in the NFL. Hmm. I, when I look at Julian Edelman at number three, and this is not to take anything away from Edelman, who's a really, really good player, uh, but when you talk about slot receivers, so you're not a true number one guy that can make things happen on your own. How much are, is the quarterback tied into how these guys end up ranking on a list like this or just in general their production? Would Julian Edelman be anywhere near this list if, say, Blaine Gabbert was his quarterback? Well, look at look what he's done with Jimmy Garoppolo as his right, quarterback. He is, but Garoppolo might be good now. Right, but How he, much of that is Julian Edelman? Right. I mean, I, to me, he has shown his value, especially in these oh, couple yeah. weeks. He gets so open and he makes people miss after the catch. He's one of the better. He was one of the better punt returners. All NFL. you have to do is turn on the Super Bowl game tape and watch him trash the greatest secondary in the 21st century. People forget that there is no harder sport than the NFL to switch positions. This was a college quarterback who has been I'll never forget talking He's the first guy I ever interviewed at NFL Network. And he was just making the shift from being kind of a special team star to getting more involved in the offense and learning from Wes Welker and talked about how much of a process that was. you got to give it to him. Tom him. Brady trusts this guy mentally, too. They are on the lockstep game after game. And he's it took a, a half decade for Tom Brady to trust him at that level. And I think he's a better player at his peak than, than Welker is. And Welker I don't know is about incredible. That. Well, one to Dan's point, though, if you look at the quarterbacks attached to these, and I, th- this is totally, I told you before, I just agree with this list flat out. But Carson Palmer, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, you got Miami's quarterback in there. You've got the New York Jets one. Ryan You've Tannehill got is his Andrew, name. I mean, I don't say his name. You got Andrew Luck, <laughs> Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and fill in the blank. You know, Eagles have had multiple quarterbacks with Jordan Matthews and then Drew Brees. So it, there are a couple lower tier quarterbacks in there. That's just the, I guess but, that's how football works. You have to have to have a capable guy throwing to you. Um, maybe Eric Decker, for instance, would be even better with Carson Palmer throwing to him. But um, you have number two, Doug Baldwin, as, as Mark said. Mm. And then at number one, your boy, age 32, still trucking, Larry Fitzgerald. Greatness. He's the definition of greatness when you watch him play to the, at this age still – I know everybody's waiting to dethrone him as the Cardinals' best receiver, and I don't think Michael Floyd and John Brown are close. Larry Fitzgerald is miles ahead of those guys as a wide receiver. That's the reason he had 109 catches last year. That's why he was the most important player in the playoffs, and it's why he's been their best, along with David Johnson, their best player through two games this year. I think you look at that. I agree, and I you look at the top three players on this list, Fitzgerald, Baldwin, and Edelman, all guys that have made significant transformations. I think Edelman took four years to get going. Baldwin is it was a good player for a while. He is a I I'm, I sort of am still wrapping my mind around how good Doug Baldwin's been since the start of last season. Yeah, he's a different player. And Fitzgerald, to Bruce Arians' credit, really had his position changed when Arians got there, and I think that really gave him uh, a second career as a dominant player. Yeah, once the best X receiver in football, now the best slot receiver in football. And I remember in All or Nothing, uh, one of the plot lines of that series, the Amazon series, was. Uh, learning when we saw Larry Fitzgerald talking about how when Bruce Arians told him, hey, you're going to be our slot guy now, Fitzgerald wasn't happy about it uh, because I guess maybe to an gr- all-time great like Fitzgerald, that might be a, a, a shot at your pride that you're no longer going to be that guy on the outside. But not only did he uh, do as his coach said and went along with it, he got invested in it. And then and uh, who can disagree with Wes's list here? He's become the best guy at it. It just shows how truly great he is. Quintessential leader, too. I don't think people appreciate how rock solid he is for that organization. And tough. 
I mean, absolutely, guy who's played through a lot of injuries himself. The best hands of his generation. One quick question for you: outside of a Fitzgerald retirement or something, uh, and I know you say you might take T.Y. Hilton off this list, but a year from now, who would you say has the biggest chance to not be on the list, this list to plummet? <laughs> I like to spin it negative. I, maybe Willie Sneed, Cole Beasley. I don't. Jordan Matthews, if he doesn't, if his hands, Jordan Matthews gets open and makes plays. He's sort of like a poor man's Marcus Coulston, but he drops too many passes for a guy who's not athletically explosive. Well, thinking he dropped a dime on Monday night. Yeah, in the end zone. Looking at this, looking at this list, it it reminds me now. Now you draft slot receivers high, and those are foundational parts of your offense. It's not where you stick the third guy. You know it's, what I mean? It's interesting. Sneed is truly their number two receiver to me. Mm. Uh, Cobb is is look at his contract. Matthews is essentially their number one receiver. Shepard's a second round pick. You say that, but Doug Baldwin was an undrafted free agent. Edelman oh, was a sixth or seventh round pick. Willie Sneed was available for free for the Saints. I don't know. Good job by Cleveland cutting Willie Sneed. There's no real <laughs> definition of a slot re- receiver anymore. They come in all different shapes and sizes, all different builds, and all different areas of the draft. Chris Wessling will likely write a banger. <laughs> I think you should. Just, Have you started just it? Transcribe what I you have just an said. outline. He will like the banging out. Almost certainly write a banger. And honestly, if you're uh, a listener to the show and you're you're thinking to yourself, "Oh yeah, Wes is a great writer," uh, but maybe he will stumble. He said that it's possible he will. Read the article just to find out if he wrote the banger. That's the drama attached to this. Yeah. So check in if the topic doesn't interest you. Then just see if Wes is on his game tonight. Let him know. Let him know. That's him the, that alone is just an adventure waiting to happen. Well, you guys know how it is as a writer. I'm not really inspired right now, so there's no telling where it's going to go. It, sometimes magic comes out of nowhere, though. You exactly. never know. You got you have to put yourself in a situation well, to make it happen. Put yourself up against the wall. How about a, maybe you have a nice yeah, brew or two point. with it to get the juices flowing, to get I, the mind created. I'm going to need a crisis situation in my life in order to bring mm. the best out it's of me. It's true. Sometimes <laughs> Dan will say that we wrote a banger, and I, and we're sitting here thinking – that's not really that much of a bang. Oh, I'm almost always thinking that. I was right. like, that could have been quite <laughs> like, a bit yeah. better had I applied myself more. <laughs> this was a this was a C minus, but I don't want to tell the the listeners right now. Guys, wow. less is more. Everybody zip it. Uh, Just devalued the banger. <laughs> uh, to me, they're all bangers. Let's uh, now finally talk about Thursday Night Football, 8.25 p.m. Eastern. You can see it on both CBS and NFL Network. That's called the simulcast, guys, mm. in the industry. Good showbiz term. Good old showbiz term. The old Rosenthal parents will be watching it from uh, from my house Thursday night. Do you in, think in town your parents you will be cool with them being called old like that? Well, they're they're definitely old. You're just a youth <laughs> hostel for in-laws at this point, and for your own family, You've, you had. Your I don't think they would deny that. They're big. They're, they're big Patriots old. fans. My mom listens to every podcast, so she'll hear this. Greg stays in character when talking about parents. You know, we got Keith Hansis involved with the podcast. We got to get your father-in-law involved with the podcast too down the line. <laughs> We 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 could have story time. Get a, story time with Takeshi. I, get, I get the satellite to Japan uh, uh, clicking. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Thursday night football: the Houston Texans um, traveling to New England to face the Patriots. Yes, as we alluded to before, there was that embarrassing uh, jacket fiasco, but that was years ago. And in and in my opinion, I look at this game, Greg, and I say to myself, okay, Jacob Brisket starting for the Patriots, most likely. Disrespectful. Most likely. And the Texans, who we who we believe are a good team, and I know the Cardinals failed, 
in this situation. And I know the Dolphins uh, were getting blown out before Garoppolo got hurt, so they failed. So I don't want to undervalue the Patriots. And Lord knows the people in the desert are also undervaluing the Patriots and their chances in this game. But the Texans got to go up there and take care of business and take advantage of a blessing, which is no Brady, no Garoppolo most likely, no Gronk most likely. Go win a football game in this spot. Because you don't do it here, you're never going to do it. Yeah. You're right, because Texans fans know they have taken some L's in big spots against Lumps? the Patriots. Some losses. Uh-huh. Some some tough loss. They, they had a Monday night football game in Houston where it looked, people were calling them the best team in the league, and Matt Schaub – got blasted. They had a playoff game, of course, in, in New England. This is one they should win because their defense looks so good. We talked about it on our YouTube video. Everyone should check us out. All of our previews, by the way, are on YouTube. If you Google week week three previews on the NFL channel, it'll be up there on Friday moving forward. People have been watching that. You should also check out, we have a, a special ghoulish YouTube uh, video this week, which I think you'll enjoy. <laughs> You've got to see this in the you, holiday season. Check it out. Uh, and and this team, I, I'm impressed by their cornerbacks. Kevin Johnson, Kareem no Jackson, comment from West there. Jonathan Joseph, <laughs> looking good. There was no, there was no space to get a word in edge. Yeah, sorry. How was I going to do anything? <laughs> I love the video. Well, well, again, maybe the audience will like it. Make sure you check out our preview on YouTube of this game. Go on, Greg. Sorry. No, that's it. What did you say? I said uh, he likes their corner. I like the cornerbacks. I mean, I like the whole defense. That's the thing. It, it's good at every level. Bernardrick McKinney, Whitney Merciless. It's not just the stars. You mentioned the cornerbacks, and they have the best pass rush in the NFL. They have 21 quarterback knockdowns, led by John Simon, who's been killing quarterbacks. Five quarterback knockdowns by him. And they have the best third down defense in the NFL so far this year, too. Quarterbacks have a 22 QBR against the Texans through two games. Let me let me say one thing, though. I mean, and I know this, Dan does not like comments like this, but after we spent the offseason questioning if, if the Patriots could prepare Garoppolo for what we just saw, and he looked phenomenal on Sunday, I just don't expect uh, Jacoby Brissett to be a big negative factor in this game. They're going to game plan and use him in a way that maximizes what skills he has at this point. He throws well on the run. You know, he's a quarterback that got comparisons to, it was Brett Hundley before before the draft, and a little bit of Jameis Winston when he was at his better moments. And I, I just think that the Patriots prepare players well, especially quarterbacks. We're not going to see some sort of frazzled newbie out there that Bill Parcells loved happening. this guy. He was his favorite quarterback in the draft, Jacoby Brissett. 6'4", 231. You would concede that there's a difference between getting five months to prepare for the Cardinals like Garoppolo did right. and three days to prepare for the, the I, And also, right, because the Thursday night football, preparation for Thursday night football is so different than preparation for a Sunday game. They basically don't even really practice. So... Yes, I will. But at the same time, what did you think of Brissett in the preseason? I thought he looked good. I thought he played pretty well. We talked. I talked him up a little bit uh, in the preseason. The recipe for to win this game, though, is running the ball, not making mistakes on offense, and winning against Brock Osweiler. That's where I think they can win this game. He's thrown three interceptions. Yeah. They've played two what I believe are lackluster defenses in the Bears, and the Chiefs right now are not quite the Chiefs. And he's going to throw up some balls that you can go after. I, I think that's where they'd have to win. This is, this is the recipe for the Texans to win this game. Again, a game they should win. You need to make sure your quarterback doesn't kill you with turnovers. Don't do anything stupid. And then stack that box 
Make sure Legary Blunt doesn't damage you like he's done to other teams so far this year. And then dare the third-round pick rookie that hasn't done anything in his career to this point to beat you. And, and if he does, well, you got bigger problems anyway. Got one step. Unleash holy hell from your front seven on Jacoby Brissett. Absolutely. Come yep. at that guy. Make him beat you. Uh, don't be afraid to uh, take some chances because this yes. kid's got to show he's ready for the stage. And, and if he's not, that doesn't, that's not an indictment of Jacoby Br- uh, Brissett. Brissett? What's his name? Jacoby Brissett. Jacob Brisket. Jake Brisket. It's not an indictment of him. He's in a really tough spot here, so the Texans should seize on this. I like the matchup of Legary Blunt versus one of the best run stuffers in the league right now, an absolute terror, Jadavian Clowney. Mm. By the way, a any, bad foot, by the way, but we'll see if that holds him back at all. Any concern we have with the Brock Osweiler to DeAndre Hopkins connection should be thrown out the window. The best matchup I saw in Week 2 was DeAndre Hopkins against Marcus Peters. And Hopkins is phenomenal. That guy had a touchdown taken away from him yep. by the lame catch roll. DeAndre Hopkins is making play after play. He's insane. I, that Those matchups, you know, let's say Butler's on him and you got Logan Ryan or Justin Coleman on Will Fuller. I mean, that's trouble. Through that's two? trouble. If in, The Patriots maybe get after Brock Osweiler and they get aggressive, but otherwise, that's trouble. Peters on that one play, big play by Fuller, he gave him 12 yards of cushion. That wasn't enough. Fuller still ran right by. Averaging 23 yards a catch this year. Uh, Through two games, Fuller Fuller and Hopkins have 21 catches for over 350 yards and three touchdowns. So that is a 10. Let's pick the games and get out of here, Mark. Pick the game and get out of here. Mark, uh, winner and the final. New England, 30 to 28. Houston Texans, 27 to 17. Houston, come on, baby. Now or never. Take care of business. 20 to 13 win. I have a policy against picking against the Patriots. That's fair. New England 16, Houston 13. And that's not what Mark and Greg did here to me isn't bold. I I wouldn't be stunned. Thank you. The Texans got to take care of business here, though. Let's go, guys. I think this year's Texans are different. Thursday night games, the home team, to me, has a distinct advantage. All right. We'll be back on late Thursday with a recap of this game and a preview of all the week three games, so make sure you check it out. This is Dan Hansen signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and the Irishman behind the glass. Till then! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the wind down tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.
This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.